Hello and welcome to the Xbox World Strongcast number 15. It is Friday the 20th of July and I am Xbox World Associate Editor Andy Hartup. Today I am joined by, some would call them the dream team, others would call them four men in a room. Um, Xbox World Strongcast regular Mike Gapper. Hello, I'm regular. And two semi-regular Xbox World Strongcast participants. Rob Taylor. It's funny you mentioned the word semi. It was dropped semi. in there deliberately. Yeah. And Tim Weaver. Said. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. So, uh, many of you have noted on Facebook and Twitter that we have not done a strong cast for a long time. Uh, this is due to just a dizzying number of reasons, um, one of which is, only one of which is the fact that we are making a magazine every month. Uh, other things include the fact that... But we're making um, three magazines every month, aren't we? Well, technically we are making three, but you only care about one, right? Right? No. Whatever pays me, baby. Yeah. So, um, we've, uh, yeah, we're making magazines. Uh, we have enjoyed holidays. Um, I, have been a, I have been away. Mike has been away. Yes. Uh, another big problem has been that Matthew Castle, who uh, used to be a, a strong cast stalwart has now moved over to London uh, to take charge of official Nintendo magazine. Yeah, I was actually planning on getting, on a, getting him on Skype on a podcast, but he's actually at the Comic-Con at the moment as well. Mm, he is a busy man, and he works very hard as Matthew Castle. Um, so losing him was a pain. So uh, now is pretty much the first time where we've had some spare time. We're not busy on deadline. All the team's here. Yep. And we've been able to do a strong cast. It's not as if we've been sitting in the office going, you know what, we see all the feedback on Facebook and we don't care. We do care. We have been listening. We have been trying to get into podcast studio. It's funny. It sounds like something that's easy to record uh, from your end, I'm sure. But for us, it's like it's a, it's a 20-minute walk across town to the studio, a 20-minute walk back. It takes a big chunk out of the day. And when you're working to the crazy deadlines we're working to these days, Every second counts. We've said this before. There's times when we've sent the magazine. In fact, every issue we've sent over the last few months has been sent with literally minutes to spare. Well, it's getting everyone in the same room as well. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we've barely we barely sort of crossed over in the office recently. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, getting every, it's getting everyone together to do it. But we are here now. We won't spend any more time dwelling on what we haven't recorded a podcast. We will now record a podcast. So, Rob. Hello. You haven't talked enough yet. Tell us what you have been playing. Um, do you want me to talk about the bigger games I've been playing? Um, I'd quite like to hear you talk about The Walking Dead, actually. OK, sure. Um, I've been meaning to play The Walking Dead for ages. Bit of a long, convoluted story. I prefer to play on PC because I've got a nice PC, so I plug my little Xbox 360 pad in. I had the Windows 8 release You've, got to, you've got to have the comfort of that pad, haven't you? I do I like mean, settling is, down on the sofa with, my, with yeah. my pad. I had the Windows 8 release candidate installed, which Mike would say was foolhardy, but foolhardy, I, I, I yeah. placed my trust in Microsoft. It, it's, not, it's not that it's foolhardy to install Windows 8 release candidate, it's that it's foolhardy to only install yes. Windows 8, to not dual boot it. Anyway, I, I, I reaped the, uh, reap the, uh, the, the, the non-benefits that that, that, that setup uh, allowed <laughs> you, you me. You sowed Windows 8 and you reaped misery. So, we're, so Walking Dead basically, due to compatibility problems, dropped down my to playlist. Anyway... Um, I had a bit of a lazy Sunday. The weather was awful. I mean, one, one awful day in this, uh, this stunning summer we're having. Um, <laughs> but you couldn't pinpoint that. It's probably Sunday. quite nice and warm by the time people are listening to yeah, it. Yeah, so. possibly. It is meant to be changing. Yeah, yeah. The sun is on. They're listening to it in the garden. Yeah. Anyway, I caned episodes one and two back to back. And um, I think it speaks volumes to the fact that I did that, that it was how, how 
compelling and compulsive I found it. Let um, me ask you a question. Mm. It's made by... Um, Telltale. Telltale. They haven't made many good adventure games. They made a lot of adventure games, but not many have been really good. But The Walking Dead is the one I hear everyone saying, this is it, this is the good one. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're a bit harsh on them. I mean, I know the Sam and Max series for a start was, was really well received. I, don't I know, enjoyed Sam and I know, and I know the Monkey Island ones oh, were as well. God, yeah, Monkey but, but they Island, such... Wallace and Gromit. Oh, well, God. okay. Didn't they do Back to the Future as well? I think they might. Oh, have, yeah. Back to the Future. The thing about Walking Dead is it's not a really a, it's not really a point and click game. There's there's very few puzzle solving kind of you know pick up this use it with that. In fact, there literally aren't at all. Um, what it what it does is ask you to make choices like very regularly, but they're massively massively difficult moral choices, and. I was saying to Tim, who, who's often a little bit down on L.A. Noir, which I also love, that if no, you want to... No, I'm not down on it. You always say that about me. I'm not down on L.A. <laughs> Noir. I just, think, I just think that it could have been... It had all the ingredients to be amazing, yeah. and it was slightly less than amazing, but I still very much enjoyed well, it. Well, sorry to misquote you, but, but I think what I'm trying to say then in that case is it streamlined all the bits you liked about L.A. Yeah. Noir and put yeah. them into a sort of much more kind of, kind of like a lean uh, hole. Um, Okay, so it's mostly about, you know, it's mostly about zombies. It's mostly about do I save him or her? Um, it's mostly about do I kill this guy with a, with a cattle prod or a meat hook? Um, and, and, you know, do I, how do I stop this person doing this and that? Um, but they're, they're, uh, somehow, for a mix of the graphics, the fantastic acting, the great script, it really, really compels. And um, I've got to say, it's been, I mean, I've been spoiled recently. I mean, I Spec Ops The Line, you know, to me, was one of the best video game narratives in a long, long time. And... and I just just feel totally totally lucky that I'm living in this time where video narr- game narratives really seem to be hitting these fantastic high points. So, just just a quick question. I don't know. Have, have you been watching The Walking Dead on TV? Uh, I have. I'm up to the end. Well, yeah, I, I don't know the comments. And has, has that influenced your your playing of the game? Because like, I, I'm keen to give The Walking Dead a go. Yeah. I don't I don't watch it on TV. Okay. Well, well, is it going to be completely lost well, on there's me? There's one there's one character that cameos. I can't remember his name. The uh, Chinese American chap from the first from the um, yeah. Him. Glenn. Glenn, that's it. Glenn cameos in the first episode. Pretty sure no one cameoed in the second, but again, sorry listeners, I'm not massively in favour of the comics, and I'm not sure how much it's sticking to, to the, the, the storyline of the comics. Mm-hmm. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a totally new cast of characters to the to the show, so I would say no, not at all. Um, so, so if you're new to it, you'll, I think you'll love they, it. I think they separate, I think they exist as totally separate universes almost, well, like different mm-hmm. takes on a, on a... What's interesting to me, Rob, is we were chatting about it... Um, Maybe yesterday or maybe the day before. Anyway, whenever it was, and uh, you were you were talking about it and talking about how there were these like really, actually quite profound moral choices yeah, that you had, had to make. And having watched the show up until up until the end of season two, is it? Yeah. Um, I think that the show is is should be should be doing that. It should be like pushing you into this this kind of yourself, this moral dilemma mm. where you're like, well, would I have done that? Would I? But I don't think the show... I mean, I quite enjoy the show, but I'm not... I, I think that there's there's a lot of big question marks about the show, particularly in the way that they deal with these moral dilemmas in there. And I don't think the, the script and the, the, the kind of uh, story arc is quite as good as it could be. So for me, the, the, the way you were describing the game is... I haven't played it either, but it makes it quite interesting to me because it, it almost sounds like the Walking Dead I want the show to be. I think you're spot on there. I really like the show. I actually one of the few people that preferred the second season. I know it dragged a little bit, but I, I thought the second season was excellent. But you, you're absolutely right. This is far more compelling. And and and, and the problem is, I'm, I'm trying hard to describe it here. I'm scrambling almost because I just don't want to spoil it. You know, the, the the best moral choices are the ones I just can't tell you about, and there are loads of them. Um, and I I feel without having played it a second time that if I'd chosen to save certain characters, the whole thing would be 
playing out quite differently. As I say, do the choices actually impact the game? Oh, absolutely. Oh, massive. No, no, they're absolutely massive. You know, I mean, I've had to choose no less than at least three times between two characters, which one to save. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure that whichever other, you know, if I played it again, that other person would, well, I'm I'm 100% convinced they would carry through. And that would change the whole group dynamic because the way the tensions play out between the characters is absolutely brilliant. Um, The Lee character is fantastic and his relationship with this, like, adopted little girl he's brought up, he's got a bit of a sinister past. Some of the characters know it. And depending on the way you interact with those characters... That could have just huge, bump, huge... Bump off all the guys who know about your well, past. See, see, that's interesting because in the show, um, like, there's only one character in the whole of the first two seasons, Shane, who has got any sort of moral grey areas at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are all completely black and white. Yeah. And all the secrets seem to have come out already. Yeah, but they're all, like, they're either good or they're slightly less than good. There's yeah. no, like... Shane is the only one with any conflict in that show yeah. at all. I was sad to see one of the my major characters die at the end of the second episode now i also believe that he could have been saved so i really need to go back and play that game again basically but i'm trying to play it through i want to play it through from beginning to end all five episodes my my law my the way i do it and then i'll go back and experiment but i texted i mean i, I don't like tim particularly i mean i, I really <laughs> try to hold off texting him but i actually texted him after the minute i finished it and i was like effing hell weaver you know yeah. this is your kind of game mate get on it wow yeah buy it Mm. So, if you, so I know this is an Xbox podcast, but on the Steam sale at the moment, I think the Steam sale will obviously have finished by then. I think it's um, all five episodes for a tenner. That's pretty damn That's good value. How much, how much is it on Xbox? Do you know offhand? It's eight hundred points an episode. Eight hundred points an episode. No, I don't sure. really don't really play Xbox. But I know <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, <laughs> listeners. But I know that uh, in the silence. You know what? We're hearing from our um, <laughs> Facebook group that more and more guys are just building themselves PCs at the moment. If the next gen won't come to Daddy, Daddy's got to get to the next gen. Well, what? even even I was talking about it in the office yeah. the other day, yeah. you know, and I, I've I have no sort of relationship with PCs at all. Well, but. it's interesting. The guy from the tech director for Square Enix came out the other day, and and in an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, he said this generation's gone on far, far, far the, too long. This is digressing slightly. And I don't want to divert it, but you're absolutely right. And I think what happened is at the start of this generation, I sold my PC, or rather, I donated it to my baby brother. And I, because my Xbox was a state-of-the-art PC and it was oh, doing right. everything my PC could do apart from mm. my emailing, which is what I use my laptop for. Now, as the generation has ended, and especially thanks to this mic, this unbelievably wonderful controller that is the 360 controller that is just, I love it. Yeah. I plug it into my PC. I've got, a, I've got an Xbox with just, much better visuals at loading. Every this, game just recognises it. Yeah. just goes, yeah, I get it. And you want to play with the controller, yeah. no worries. It used to be PC games. You'd have, you'd have to spend as long setting up your controller as you did playing the game. So I guess what I'm th- saying is as the next generation comes out, again, I'll probably abandon my PC because you'll get those exclusive releases only on the 360 and they'll be lo- or the 720 or whatever and it's going to be and looking better th- than that anything. that will be the best way to play those games as well all of a sudden because exactly. you'll buy this next gen Xbox which will be again a leap ahead of the current gen PCs that you get for the same price yeah, exactly. and then PC will chase again overtake and if the generation goes on as long as this one yeah I have to move, migrate back to PC. Exactly, exactly. This gen's just been so, so mm. long, guys. It's been so long. Not too long. I just feel very old at this point. Mm. It, it feels really old. To, be like, to, be, to put it into perspective, we've got a work experience kid in our office at the moment. Uh, when this generation started, he was uh, eight. <laughs> he was eight <laughs> years crazy. old when this generation crazy, started. Yeah. God. And it, say, it says something about the fact that, you know, all these developers are coming out now saying, look, will someone please, mm. please, please give us the next generation? Yeah. You know, normally, normally... Developers are—they're <coughs> signed up to NDAs, and they're—you know—they've already got those dev kits, and they're quite deep into development. But the way that they're talking suggests that 
it's still such a slow-moving iceberg, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's on its way, and um, interesting, we, we picked up on that in the mag that we just finished. Uh, we've got a big feature on the fact that the next generation, it's sort of here, yeah, it's, and, it, it's, it's, and it's sort of us. just around the corner, so um, it'll be an interesting read for you. Now, keeping it with the moral grey areas and moral choices, Mike, you have been playing and loving Spec Ops. Loving is the right word, is it? Sorry, my brain's still working on the P- on the next gen thing, so I, the spec ops isn't even at the front of my mind at the moment. Bring it to the front. Let me just uh, sort bring of him out. to the front. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What to <laughs> say. I don't. Know. <laughs> I, I thought you loved spec ops. I don't know what to say about spec ops. They won't ruin it for you two because you haven't played it and you haven't played it. I'm looking at Andy and Tim right here, whereas Rob has played it. Yeah. Oh, I think you can talk. You what can makes spec ops? really good is um, this little trick that Jaeger pulled, this German developer um, they pulled a trick this is it's so clever and it's something we've kind of done on the magazine in the past and I'm a big fan of this trick you take a thing that everyone recognises everybody knows exactly what it is and you go look at this you know what this is right, you know what this is it's a military shooter, it's set in a desert you know, you've played games like this you, you know, it's just like all those games you know and people go, oh yeah, I know what that is, and they buy it. And then about an hour in, they go, oh, hang on, this is this is different, this is different. And then by the end of the game, you're in no doubt you've played something that's unlike every other game in your collection. Now we've been doing this kind of thing on magazines before. You know, you'd in our experience, the new readers, not the regular guys like the people who listen to this podcast, but then the guys who just come in on a month by month basis, they'll pick it up just for like the big cover story or the big review or so on. And what we'll try and do is sneak some good stuff in under their radar. You know, we'll give them that big review, but then we'll sneak a really interesting feature under their radar. And what Jaeger have done is they've snuck an incredible, this incredible piece of video game storytelling in under the the guise of a, a boring old military shooter. That's a good idea. Just, just, just. I think it's just, genius. I think it's absolutely. But in terms genius. of like, in terms of the only thing I worry about is that people, if people don't know what Spec Ops Hook is, they're just going to think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a military shooter by a, a, an unknown developer that technically is artistically pretty, but technically not great. The cl- the shooting itself is good. I don't think it's. I think it's technically very accomplished. I think. Okay. It's, I think it's the, in, the, there's three developers in the world who can use Unreal Engine well, Rocksteady. Epic and Jaeger. I think, I think they're, in the top, they're in the top three. Of not the Bioshock guys? No, definitely not the Bioshock guys. Really? Definitely not. Okay. Yeah, we haven't even seen uh, what they've done with Unreal 3 yet. Aren't they using it for Infinite? They're using it for Infinite, but we, we haven't played that, we haven't seen it. So. Yeah, the Bioshocks are running. But by the Bioshocks are in Real Engine, though. Yeah, Unreal 2. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you're right, and I think, I think um, it's a very brave move what they've done. Yeah. Um, There's this. Um, not to blurt for these guys, but there's a and, and for you guys at home. But if the game begins and it's a tra- very traditional shooter for a really long time, you're running around, you're looking behind cover, you're machine gunning guys. Guys are getting dropped, and you drop really quick. It's not they're not bullet sponges; they're just dropping. You get dropped pretty quick, and they just send floods of them at you. And then you get to a certain point in the game where you make this, you make you make a lot of choices along the way choosing between one guy or another you make choices to like you know do i rescue this guy do i take down these guys and so on but there's a key choice you make later in the game and it's only apparently a choice it's actually you're forced into it and i'm not going to say what it is but you you make a choice and you make a mistake 
you won't, you're not going to know you're making a mistake, and you will be the one to make the mistake. It's not, it's not the Captain Walker guy. It's not the guy you're controlling. It's you. You will make this mistake. Jaeger are going to force you to make this mistake. And when you do, your character that you've been playing that game, and he's deliberately the most generic, blando man in the world, with Nolan North's voice, the most sort of the voice you've heard a million times, so that you kind of just imprint yourself onto this guy. And there is a point in the game when you've made that mistake for him, his mind breaks. His mind just breaks. And from then on, you you see this man change. You see this man change the way he reacts in certain situations, the way he talks to his buddies, the way his buddies talk to him. You, you even changes the way he perceives the world. Are, is what you're seeing really happening? Is it is it really real? Is He becomes this unreliable narrator because of the things he's seen and done along the way. And by the time you get to the end of the game, and there's like there's multiple endings to this game, by the time you get to the end of the game, the choices you have made will have just mounted up to this point where you're like, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Like I've made any right decisions. It's, it's every every decision is just how, how bad a choice did I make? How bad did what did I did I do something incredibly heinous and evil, or did I do something that was just plain wrong? You know, but it was the only choice left to me. Was I willfully malevolent, or was I just making the best of what I could do? And it's it's got a doozy of an ending, mm. a, a ripping ending. When, yeah. when uh, I remember Ben in the office was playing it, and he after he finished it, he turned around and said, "Whoa, what an ending!" Mm. So I know I know that, and lots of people have talked on online about it. it's got a great ending. Mm. So yeah, it's not it's not even the the ending wasn't the bit that impacted the most on me. It was that that point mm. midway through the game, and they handle it so well. Yeah, it's beautifully done. It's just. They make you. They make you. They make you appreciate. I think they make you. It's very difficult to create a game where you kill so many people to actually kind of make it an anti-war sentiment. Well, it's funny. It, does, it shows you the consequences of your action. I think Definitely. in a way that in the way that no other game's ever shown, and makes Call of Duty's death quotes those silly little quotes that flash on about honor. Oh yeah, and you glory get and Condoleezza Rice. Make, every time. Make oh. it just. It just seems so trite and embarrassing yeah. after this. Yeah, this is what Call of Duty have been trying to do, but don't have the guts. Well, they do, name right? every character in Call of yeah. Duty, and you're like, "Oh no, Higg- Higgins is that? Oh, yeah. who cares?" Yeah. <laughs> like the um, in Spec Ops, you've got uh... oh, um, so the way. Um... Sorry, I'm sorry, my brain stopped. Okay, so the USK, the German Racing Board, they actually rate games to death over in Germany. Like you have the if, decapitation. No, 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 that's out. You got to take that out. Uh, dismemberment out, violence against innocence out, torture out. Like these are the only way you can get the game released in Germany is to remove all of that stuff. But the USK passed Spec Ops, which contains all of those things, without any edits whatsoever. Mm. They said, um, in their estimation, it was the only anti-war game they've ever played, any only anti-war shooter they've ever played. Uh, and the because it's like what they they don't want is context-free violence. Do you really need to chainsaw a man down the middle in Gears of War? Maybe, maybe not. But in Spec Ops, you need to see the heinous acts that these this, these group of guys are perpetrating, even though they didn't really want to. In order to see the toll it takes on them, you need to see that. And it sort of speaks to something we were talking about. We did an interview for PSM a while back. Where we talked to the guys who made Uncharted. And in that, you've got Nathan Drake, Nolan North, just wisecracking his way through killing all of these guys. And Rich Lamartian, who's one of the lead designers on the game, said, we, um, we try to make sure the enemies always attack first so that you know, Drake's can, Drake has to defend himself. Because otherwise he is killing a lot of guys, like a ridiculous amount of guys. He said the things 
uh, it's called the, une- and they call it the uncanny valley of narrative. The things that games have always done, thrown millions of bad guys at you, just feels weird in a world where characters look so real and so believable and the conflict is, is much more credible where it's like, you know, it's a proper 3D space. It was fine when we were playing Green Beret in the 80s, running along, just shiving guys by the hundred. But now it feels kind of weird. It's just something we have to live with. That was his response. It's something we have to live with and deal with as best we can. But the guys at Jaeger said, no, we're not going to live with that. We're going to address it. We're going to make the incredible body count you're racking up a factor. We're going to make it a part of the story. We're going to make it take its toll on the character. And hopefully by the end of it, we're going to make it take its toll on you. And you're going to ask questions about the way you play games. But does Rob raise an interesting point in that by giving it... by, by Hiding it. By hiding that narrative almost behind behind what does at least from the outside looking in, look quite a generic shooter, and it's got an incredibly generic name. Uh, you know, have they done themselves a disservice by doing that? I think maybe, maybe. Because it hasn't, you know, in terms of sales, it hasn't, like, set the world and it's already been, which is a good thing for you listeners, but it's already been discounted to hell. Yeah. So um, you can pick it up real cheap and, and, and play it, but, but I mean, I, I worry about they, the future of Jaeger, you, you know? know. even if they called it... Heart of Darkness, well, or some, yeah, or something, absolutely, you know, rather than just a Gennaro like Spec Ops. Spec Ops is just another, a loading a, another call of Duty. apocalypse. You, you, it wouldn't sell. You can't sell a game with a bullshit name anymore. You just can't. It's like well, every- you can't sell a name, uh, sell a game with, called Spec Ops. Spec Ops, Spec Ops is doing just fine. It's been sitting at like number. It's not like I'm telling you. It's, it's not sitting, doing it's fine. Sitting, well, no, no games are doing fine right now. No, no games are doing. No fine. Games in are doing context, fine. it's not doing. fine. I mean, it's I'm not. Fi- it's not got FIFA on the box, has it? That's the problem. You can't sell games with bullshit names. You can't sell movies with bullshit names these days. It, the whole market's just gone for like the most obvious, literal. Terrible names. It's like a movie comes out. It's called Tower Heist. But I just think, say something like um, a Hard Darkness alludes to something else. Do you know what I mean? It's not just a crazy title. It's alluding. I'm not to saying that, that might... necessarily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. but, yeah. but you know, something a bit more evocative than that mode from Call of Duty. Well, you have to wonder. I mean, how how much Jaeger were actually involved? How much were they involved in the naming of it? Mm. Yeah. I mean, Spec Ops is a franchise. Well, I, I assume the virtually dead franchise. Yeah, but well, maybe yeah. they're going for sales. Maybe in Germany. Maybe it's a much. Maybe Spec Ops oh, is still I a big deal. It'll do pretty well in Germany, you know, given yeah. given well, that it's from a German developer. That was one thing I never understood about Prey Two. Yeah. Have you seen Prey Two? Now it's in it's no, no, it's still it's, it's still going. It's still but it's, oh, is it? There was uh, the canning thing. Down. That seemed to be a sort of a um, a bit of a Legion? Mexican standoff. Yeah. Uh, okay. right. But you, you have to wonder, like it's it's a completely different game to the original mm. Prey. It doesn't use any of the same things. Like the original Prey was all about portals and like shifting like dimensions and stuff like that. This, Prey Two has got none of that. It's like completely different, and you have to wonder because Prey wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a huge deal. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got this new game. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. Why bother at all? I mean, well, I think at the time when why, it was why, announced, why bother, why bother calling well, it the same thing? I think at the time thing? it was announced, it, people didn't have this hunger for the fresh IPs that this E this E three now I, seems. I, I to don't know. I disagree. I, I think there was the hunger for it okay. back then. I just, I just. It, it seems strange to me when there wasn't an awful lot of value trading on the prey name. Why? Did, why they even bothered? Mm. Why didn't they, didn't just call it <coughs> Alien Bounty Hunter Man or something? That's some, a much better title. Yeah. Yeah. You know in, in this market, actually, off the top in this of the market, head, it actually I'm is. I'm emailing that to 2K right now. In this market, it really is. That's the that's the disaster of this point in a generation. Again, another symptom of the generation going on too long. People want the most. It's things they recognise and the most completely literal things. So they, they see it on the shelf. And they go, okay, I, I know what that is. Yeah. When you're calling games like binary domain, that's what I'm saying. Like Spec Ops isn't doing binary domain numbers. No, it's not doing lollipop chainsaw numbers. 
you know, and at this point in a generation, that's what most games are doing. Yeah. There's like four or five games a year which are doing millions, yeah. and everyone else is doing 900 copies in a week. Oh, to, to, to be fair, be the, death of the, the death of the B-tier game is, looks like nailed on yeah. there, no matter what you call it or how good it is. I think what's going to be interesting is how well Dishonored sells. That seems to be like the one huge IP that we got coming this year that is genuinely good. That, that could be like a Bioshock. It yeah. could be like... The release date on it's risky, though. Risky. It's, I think it's it'll October. sell well on PC and it'll be middling on PC. It's I wonder if we're sort of oversimplifying it because I think like people, like the hardcore people who play games do want new IP and will buy it if they're convinced that it's a safe enough bet. And I think... I think by the time Dishonored arrives, people will be convinced that it's a safe enough bet. They're going to spend money on it. But but the problem is, is that you don't make the big bucks by just having the hardcore oh, gamers getting on board. You know, you I, need think, to I think you do maybe market. once or twice a year. I don't know. I'm with Mike. I think that release date is not doing it any favor. Bioshock was a freak as well. Sandwich between Hitman and Assassin's Creed. And Bioshock had a dream release date as well. And this Dishonored absolutely doesn't have a dream release date. It's got a nightmare release date. The the perfect release date for Dishonored is the end of August. The perfect release date would be any end of August. Like, that's when you sell that was new IPs. Shops, no, that was Bioshock, yeah. that was Deus Ex. I'll tell you what as well, Mike. I mean, you mentioned Hitman. I mean, who knows? You know, I, I think it'll probably do well, but it's, it's been knows? A, Yeah, it's been away it's for been, so long. It's been a long time. Yeah. You know, you don't... Well, look, don't at, look at Ghost Recon. I mean, it hasn't... You know, that was that was one of the mega franchises of the early gen, of the early this gen. And and Ubisoft mishandled it awfully. They just... They, they waited until all these other games had got ahead of the had stolen... Uh, Gore's Thunder and, and then they Future Soldier was really good but it mm. was just it was five years five years too late almost yeah. well I think I think Ghost Recon was like if you if you saw it like I saw I saw it when the 360 literally just launched maybe a couple of weeks mm. before it launched and like it was playing on on in on some development kit in um, in Ubisoft's offices and it looked Absolutely mm. incredible! It's like the best it looked, launch title when Mile wasn't it? It didn't. Yeah. It didn't it launch. launch it, it, oh, came, it came out in the March. March. Yeah. Oh, really? That long? It was. It was five, uh, four months. After. Wow! God, it, memory distorted. Yeah, it looked Same phenomenal. It, play, it played like a dog. Yeah. It played like a dog, but it looked phenomenal. Yeah. And it just hasn't got that wow factor any, anymore. And, no. and may, maybe, it's maybe the, no, no, no games game, really yeah, have no that. No game yeah. has that wow factor now. Like the, the way you wow people now is with ideas. And with you know storytelling, and I got like making a mistake. Rob was wowed by Walking Dead storytelling. Right. I was wowed by Spec Ops storytelling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you, it's tough to impress people at this point in generation with tech because we've seen it all. Yeah, Uncharted Three is a great example. I mean, that that was doing so many incredible things, but at the end of the day, it's, it was hamstrung by its hardware. Yeah. Yeah. We, we wanted to see all that, but we want to see it in resolutions that make us drop to our knees. Yeah, you know? we want, we've, we're at that point now, like. With the games people came out of E3 talking about, we're talking Watch Dogs, we're talking mm, Star Wars, Wars 1313, yeah. which, by the way, looks pump, but technically it looks incredible. Yeah, that ain't running on a PS3. Ain't running on no PS3. So this brings us back quite neatly to what we've been playing, because what I've been playing what have is you been playing, a 10-year-old game, oh. which is Halo Anniversary. Ah. Mm. I, I, I wish I could... I almost have the, would almost be able to engage with you on this, because I've catched a <coughs> copy off Matt from uh, Games Master... Oh. Japanese surname Matt, not Matt Pella, for those who are interested in office people. Um, and I'm waiting for my brother to come back from France so I can... I bought another yeah, copy of yeah, eBay so we, can, yeah. we co-op all the Halo games. Yeah. But that's the end of my story because he hasn't come back yet. So sorry, oh, Andy. Excellent. No, I mean, an anniversary. <laughs> it started off weak. Yeah, it actually got a bit weaker after that. <laughs> this is why you bring me on, added value. It, it still holds up. Like, I was... It, it, take, it takes some, some uh, acclimatising to it at the start. You know, the first couple of levels, 
you feel a little bit a little bit shaky because shooters have taught you to play a certain way throughout the generation. And going back to them, you have to learn. You have to sort of relearn how you play it. But you know they've they've done a cred- an incredible job of making it look better because you can turn off the the modern modern overlay. Good God, it looks basic. <laughs> like, it just looks unbelievable. It's, it's crazy. Like you that you your your brain has yeah. already given it that makeover. Mm. Your brain yeah. remembered yeah. it looking yeah, like yeah, an yeah, anniversary yeah, yeah. makeover. Yeah, exactly. But, but once you get back into it, you think, my God, this is still a great game. I don't know. And it is still a great. Uh, no, it is. I don't know. It is still a great I, I game. I didn't when I played it. The one thing which really stuck. And you love Halo. I love Halo. Yeah, yeah. I, I was playing it and I was like man I don't remember spending quite this much time in corridors there's like two good levels in that game and most of the game you just spend in tiny identical corridors you just yeah. like Reach did you the it's single like, player I love Reach's single player yeah, I didn't like Reach's yeah, single player I didn't like it just a series of balls into which they drop a load of enemies mm. Uh, but Anniversary is a series of corridors into which they spawn enemies. It's like Doom. The game spends most of its time just being Quake right. uh, or Half-Life. Uh, it's the, the, Everyone remembers the really cool bit, Silent Cartographer. Amazing. Yeah. Everyone remembers the first level where you land on Halo, where you get to choose. You get to take different routes yeah. at the end. Uh, Getting in the Warthog and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. see, that's, see, that's I, I incredible. That, I found that quite tedious. Really? That, that first one where you land on Halo. Your brain's miswired. Because you, you're just going back, you, you're driving across loads of nothing mm. in a Warthog. I quite like all the bits that are nicely condensed, like the assault on the control room. I really like that. I mean, it, it gets a little bit repetitive while it does go on slightly too long. And then the bit where you uncover the flood, you go slightly too deep yeah. in it. But, you know, what, what strikes me about it is every level feels in, like really, really different. I mean, even the library, it's, it's the library. But you, you know it's the library, and it's not, not particularly like any of the other levels in the game. I don't know. It's another corridor. It's another another. It's a, it's a corridor range. with a theme, and you know what's going on. And the color palettes are different. Like when you when you land in the in the level, I can't remember what the level is where you discover the flood. I can't remember the name when of it. When you're in a swamp, it's three four yeah. three guilty spark. When you land in that swamp, it's freaking brilliant. There's blue things. It's it's, it's sort of like Avatar. Oh, you know, there's loads things. loads blue of things. blue things and loads of things floating around, and that le- it, it looks like a proper alien. That swamp. level, though, in retrospect, is like a pathfinding nightmare. Like the only way I was able to find my way to my destination was by going to the edge of the map and mm. walking the edge of the map until, until I got to where I needed to be. Yeah, I, I, I I took cues from like where all my where all my buddies were fighting and stuff. Like that. I found my way through it really easily. And I, 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 I think dead. I, th- I think um, I think Saber did a, a great job of, of doing do job. doing better signposting. You know, if you turn on, turn the overlay on and off, you see they've added little arrows. It's something I say, some of the signposting are straight up perfect Dark Zero arrows painted on the floor. Yeah, yeah, but but that's what you need. That's what you need. Like the assault on the control room level, you definitely need those arrows to to get you into one room and out of it in the correct. In the correct I way. still really enjoy the game. I still think it's really great, but I was alarmed by just how much time I spent in corridors. I, I don't recall having spent that much time when I was playing it originally. And sure enough, you spend a lot of time in tiny, tiny little boxes. I, I absolutely don't don't mind. I mean, I'm I'm playing it on on heroic on my own, and you know, oh, it is yes. kicking my ass as well. Oh, it's t- much tougher than the modern games tough. on heroic. Much and, tougher. You know, I don't mind. I don't mind restarting like this. This absolute bullshit bit. When you um, when you go up into the truth and reconciliation, it starts you off in the in the little room where you land, and then you get attacked by six invisible covenant with energy swords, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you've only got an assault rifle. So and that and it takes an entire clip to kill one of them. So I died so many times <laughs> doing that, like so many times. But I kept restarting it, and eventually I did it. 
I thought, that's brilliant. And actually, one, one of my complaints is, I don't know whether it's just my copy of, of the game, but it does have a tendency to <coughs> crash. Right. So, and unless you've quit out and saved, it doesn't save your checkpoint. Mm. So I got right to the end of the Truth oh. of Reconciliation level, you got Captain Keys, and it crashed. And you still so like I had it. to start I to start the whole level again. Yeah. So I blasted through it again. It took about an hour on heroic. That's another truth and reconciliation is another bullshit level. And I, I got I got to the end with keys again, and it got it got to the stage where it auto saved, where he could only take one hit from the needler. So I literally couldn't do oh. one bit of the level. So I had to start it again. Selling oh, no. but yeah, I've done it. It's not selling No, but you see, the point is, I didn't mind doing it. I didn't mind doing it because I was having post, fun. That's because you've been through Dark Souls and come out the other side. I haven't no, been through Dark Souls. It is, it, is ama- yeah. it is amazing how much game design's changed over the last you know, 10 years or so. You do have to adapt to a different mindset. But also, Halo comes from an era when a game couldn't be five hours long. Mm. When COD 4 came out and it was five hours long, four hours long even, people were like, that's bullshit, it's too short, it's too short. Now every game's five hours long. And they just do these incredibly intense five to eight hour experiences. Halo's like, a, the original one's like a good 12 hour game if you play mm. on Heroic. You know, it's a good 12, 13 Because you couldn't release a six hour game into the wild back then. So what did they do? They copied and pasted the first half of the game and just ran it backwards in the second mm. half. The library is the, the fulcrum upon which the whole game t- pivots. And the library was like, how can we make this section longer? It's just copy and paste it four times. And we'll, you see you've got to go through four floors of it. And then you've got to leave that place, going back through the exact same map you were going through before. I still remember that, and the last time I played it was ten years ago. And the, first, the last level was the first level. It's, yeah. it's, it's incredible, like, because that's what they had to do to get out on time. Mm. These days, they would just get to a point and say, we've got an incredible experience. We've got just this six hours of intense, brilliant action, one floor of the library, no worries, that you might actually have fun with it that way. And I would have really liked it, actually, if, they had, for, if Sabre had done, uh, or 343 even, had done a director's cut version on the same disc, which is just like the bare essentials of Halo, chopping out all those library, like all that library nonsense. Some of the when you first discovered the flood, you discovered them nearly so deep in the facility. You actually discovered them like on the first floor of it or something, and just done its director's cut as like a supplement to the regular game. I mean, a fun, a fun experiment. I'm sure there was more build-up to the the flood stuff in in the new one. I'm sure I, I don't remember there being that much build-up to it when I originally played it. Oh yeah, it took ages. I remember that. That was one of my standout memories, how long it took to reach it. Yeah, mm. you go down and then, and then you down, have to escape from it, don't you? Yeah. And then you have to go up again. You go through the oh, exact no, same thing was... you went See, through. it's funny. The library isn't the one that resonates with me. Um, I, didn't dig del- I didn't dive nearly as deep into Halo as everyone else. I played it... I was living in San Francisco at the time and I played it in one night. Tons of burritos and buckets of Coca-Cola with my, my American pal and we... We loved it, we blitzed it, and that was it. And that was literally how much... Then we played a bit of Deathmatch, and he was so good at it, I didn't enjoy it. But the bit that I remember hating was that bit with the Flood, not the library. Because mm. it was so boring. It was ages. Then they, they were freaking annoying, and then I had to run away from them for hours. So yeah. that's my bit that I didn't like. Hmm. Well, I haven't finished it, but I'm still enjoying it. So that is what I am currently playing. Hooray! Tim, have you been playing anything at all? <laughs> it's been a bit low on the old playing front, and the uh... you've been you've been publishing a book as why? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, doing my. I have no social life basically, so uh, so yeah, I come to work during the day and then I go home and write at the moment. Uh, Tim, what's the name of your uh, new book that was published yesterday? Uh, it's published. Uh, yeah, it's published yesterday. Yeah, it's uh, called Vanished. 
And uh, by, an, by Tim Weaver. By Tim Weaver, and it's in an all good supermarkets and bookshops now. Ka-ching. What are you thinking of playing? If you if you did have a life, <laughs> and like, or so, well, rather no, if you had a, a, a gaming life, what would you what would you like to play of the games that have come out recently? Uh, I'd like to have a go at that Walking Dead. I think that sounds yeah. good. I was saying to Mike, I'm, I'm going to play that now. You uh, sold me on. Yeah, that. I was saying to Mike the other week that um, <coughs> Andy Kelly in our office is playing um, a lot of Skyrim on on PC at the moment. Because that's a game you want to play if um, if you haven't got much time. Because that's, that's really right. You yeah. can play that that's bite-sized why, that's you can pick Really different. Do a pick up and play kind of game. Um, and just watching him play with the mods on and stuff makes me um, makes me quite horny. Inclined to to try, you know, to try. I like the look of the the fact that he's modded some of the. I think it's important. The like, rough, the rough. Uh, obviously, Andy Kelly's installed the big titty mod, the, yeah. Yeah, the gi- giant breast yeah. mod. He's, yeah. in, he's uh, the horse sex mod. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so that's where the discussion about the uh, you know PC PC gaming came out of really was because I was I was saying to Mike that um, I wouldn't mind. Uh, wouldn't mind having a bash on that when I've got this new book out there. Mikey life. and I have been modding the crap out of our game since time immemorial. Yeah. And we can tell you that, I mean, I, could, I can take over the podcast on, on what I've done with PC games over the years to make them better, to replay classics like System Shock 2. But I won't. So, back to you. So, not much. So, not, not much, Andy, is a, is a disappointing answer, which is why I said to Mike before this uh, podcast, you might want to sub me, put me on the subs bench. Cause, yeah, no, uh, we, we, need, we, we need the man Weaver around for a five-minute um, warning. Yeah, and... Um, while we're on that subject, I think we could probably tuck into that right now. So uh, earlier this week, or rather last week, we asked you guys what topics you'd like to talk, us to talk about on 5-Minute Warning. 5-Minute Warning is a, a feature we shamelessly stole from another podcast, and it did a couple of months ago. It was a mm-hmm. huge hit, a huge success. The gimmick is we, uh, we, you just fill us a topic. You put a topic to us, and we'll talk about it for five minutes. As soon as the buzzer goes, well... As soon as the buzzer goes, it's game over. And the buzzer sounds like this. No, not like that. Like that. <laughs> oh, I hit Full the wrong start. One. So when the buzzer goes, we, we stop talking. You've got to nail it. You've got to nail it first time every time. You've got a, a bunch Same of stress- roll. Same stressful. Is this your, you guys' first time on five-minute warning, right? I've never had a five-minute warning before. <laughs> Feeling the pressure. Um, You've given plenty of five-minute warnings, though. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> so... We got an amazing selection of uh, of topics. Unfortunately, we can't do them all because it would take days. I, th- I think we need to get Tim involved right from the start with the uh, the eighties one. I think so. What a, <laughs> what a strong start! It's a strong start. So, eyes on the clock, guys. I'm going to stick it in the middle. Uh, let's just open up with Daniel Martin, who asks, "If you could turn one eighties action film into a game, which one would it be, Tim?" Uh, invasion USA. Invasion oh, USA. So mine. We were talking about off uh, <laughs> off air. Uh, Chuck Norris film, nineteen eighty six, eighty seven. Maybe a bit earlier. Maybe. Oh, maybe not. Maybe eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. yeah like uh, about uh, Russian Soviets invading the USA, as the title suggests, uh, includes a man destroying an entire neighborhood with a rocket launcher. At Christmas that. time. At Christmas time, uh, includes a man. I think he smashes a woman's head down into the drugs she's sniffing. Oh, yeah. You mean her, coat, her little coat <laughs> and then, store? Yeah, and then throws, throws her out of the, the window and then shoots a boyfriend in the groin. Yeah. So, you know, it's got, it's got, it's got a deep Tommy, story to Tommy Tommy Drago, whatever his name is. He's that bad. Billy Drago. Billy Drago. The guy from The Untouchables? Yeah. yeah. And, then, uh, and then... Good trivia. Uh, but why it would make a good game, uh, it would be utterly preposterous in every way, hyper-violent, includes a ch- car chase inside a shopping mall. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and also, as we were talking about earlier, includes an. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you that. Well, the the the, 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 the commie scum decide they're gonna they're gonna kind of um, uh, take out on Norris, and Norris is living in the in the bayou, as I recall. I think it's and, Florida Keys. Right, it? the Florida Keys in like a hut, just in a swamp, and he's got a pet armadillo. And uh, yeah, of course he has. I mean, you know, this is this is it's worse than like canine or something like that, or uh, Turner and Hooch. I mean, basically, he comes back, Norris drops to his knees. They've only gone and bloody blown his hut up, and the armadillo is just like a smouldering shell. Yeah. Um, and so, so he basically dons the tightest jeans ever, <laughs> and that's tighter than Andy Kelly's jeans. He double denims it in that film. He right? double denims. Double, he's, double he, he's got obviously got a massively wow. masculine, hairy, muscular chest. He dons a sort of like a, a waistcoat, den- denim yeah, waistcoat, yeah. and he gets two Uzis, which never run out of ammo, yeah. or at least he's never seen reloading. Uzis them, never run out of ammo in the eighties. And killed a thousand men. Apart from at the end, I always spoil it for people. But there's a great scene at the end. There's a massive, like you can t- spoil it. Massive, too long shootout yeah. in, yeah, in, in Atlanta for yeah, some is reason. It in a police, does it end up in a police station or something? Ah, uh, it's like some sort it's of an office building, or yeah. something, isn't it? And he hunts this guy down, like the leader of the, the dirty commie at the yeah, uh, center yeah. of this invasion plan. And um, I seem to recall he uses a, a rocket launcher to blow him out of the window. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know? that that, re- that that recalls a scene in Death Wish. Three, three with yeah. Charles Bronson at the end, which is a YouTube classic. <laughs> yeah. um, it's also so just talking about Billy Drago for a second. He's even more evil in another Chuck Norris film. Um, what is it called? Oh, I forget. Um, where he basically rapes a woman in front of her husband and kid, mm-hmm. and then just as the woman isn't traumatized enough, shoots the husband and then the kid. Just sound like something <laughs> Billy Drago would do. Yeah, well, I think he just. I think. I think he just ad libbed the scene. I think he actually <laughs> raped the woman and, he's and got, killed the kid. He's got. He's got one of those faces, though. Hasn't he, he does. I'm sure he's a lovely man in real life yeah um, so great, I would, great choice Tim I'm, so, I'm going to jump in because we're on the clock yeah, um, yeah sorry so I'll go with Commando awesome obviously yeah. you are John Matrix you've been asked to give back for one last job you say no but then they kidnap your daughter right yeah they kidnap your daughter Alyssa Milano take her to Valverde and it's up to you not ju- not only to you know make it to Valverde <laughs> but to shoot your way through the island yeah you, to do that, you're going to need a lot of firepower. So, you know, you, you basically, you, it's, it's a classic Doom-style shooter. You're just going to build a bigger and bigger arsenal over, the, over throughout the game. You've got the chick... Um, uh, Ray Don Chong. Ray Don Chong, yeah. She's, um, she's going to help you. She's going like, she's, she's to be like Alex from Half-Life. She'll be there. You have escort missions where you have to get her through like the shopping mall and stuff. Hunting down uh, the, the Weasley guy, flipping a Porsche off a cliff. You're going to be doing... Well, not even flipping a Porsche, flipping it off and stealing it. Yeah. You're going to be doing all kinds of... Schwarzeneggerish stuff. Is there Taking a the top game? of a man's head off with a bandsaw. Yeah. That's the thing. Is oh, you might, say the one like yeah, you need a one-liner button. Yeah, there'll be one-liner button. There'll yeah. be a moment where you get completely depowered. You know, Metroid style. You'll lose all of your guns, but you're in a shed. Improvised weapons. In constructing your own weapons. Is there a mini game where you press zero 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 to open your? Super, super, like well hidden weapons. It was zero. Four digits. Four digits. Like he's got kids running around the house. Zero, 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 zero. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody would have thought of that. With thirty seconds on the clock, Andy Harsup. Oh God. Um, I would probably go for just because you've all done like massively gunny ones. Yeah. I'd probably go for something like Tango and Cash. Oh, like a, what a classic! Oh, you have, you have to, there's not enough games set in prisons. Escaping yeah. from a prison, P- yeah. punch your way out. Man on a wire, then zipping down on it with your belt. And punch your way out of prison. Punch your way across the city. It's got motorbikes. Punch more guys. It's got. I can't believe I'm it's not going to say anything. Terry Hatcher is the here. worst stripper ever. Yeah. Terry Hatcher is the worst stripper ever. She doesn't even take her clothes off. This is like some Greek tragedy where I'm not going to get to say anything. <laughs>
Because look at the time. Yeah, look at the time. Say something. Dead heat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not red heat. Dead heat. Dead heat. Yeah. Look it up on the internet, kids. You'll be disappointed. That was all right. Uh, Okay. The Think You one. Uh, Jason White asks, do you prefer download? Downloads is the, uh, the supposed future of games. Do you actually want to hold game cases in your hand and you know look at yeah. game manuals? Do you want a downloadable future or do you want the classic discs on your shelf? Uh, I'll take this one to start with. I, I'm quite happy with a downloadable future, actually. Um, I used to be staunchly like pro CDs because um, when I was... Not OCD, pro CDs. When uh, when I was at university, like the the thing that that went <coughs> went back back and forth with me was my CD collection. I was massively into music. Used to love it. Just used to take it everywhere. Now I barely touch them. Like everything I do is on my my iPhone. Um, I, I can like Bluetooth my songs to my car and stuff like that. Everything for that is digital. I do not miss CD cases at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just starting to get into downloading games. Um, I download a little of Xbox Live stuff. And Before you mention games, Tim, in the world of books, that's true as well. Like people yeah. don't have big libraries anymore. They, they no, they don't. I, I do. I, yeah, I mean, I've got I'm, a massive I, one. I like books, though, yeah, I do. That's the one that's, thing I keep, books. One, one thing I was going to say, actually, was that, you know, for me, I agree completely, except in the world of books where I'm a massive collector of you books. You like the tactile... There's just something, the smell of a book and like the... So I told you about... Well, you, cut, you, you were bought is... a Kindle by your wife, weren't you? Yeah, and then no, it's I, not I getting much use. Do you think, though, this is going to be... You, you, people who love books like that are going to become like vinyl collectors years from now? Maybe. Possibly. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kindle's only going to... You know, Kindle and e-books are only going to get bigger in the same, same way downloads are only going to get uh, only gonna get bigger. There will always will be people like me who prefer books. I mean, I don't use my Kindle because I don't like it. I, I own thousands of books. Um, I, I, I bought a Kindle about six months ago. I love it. I, I finished a book on the train this morning, actually, coming in. And the great thing about the Kindle is, yeah, I, finished, I read lots <laughs> I've read of all, books. I've read all the books, actually. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, no, it was uh, Spot, Spot the Dog Goes to the Zoo. But um, as soon as I finished Spot, I could go straight on to uh, my latest, uh, obviously, yeah. about the Care Bears. So it was just like, I like that about the Kindle. You didn't it's have great to carry it with you. I, just there. I, I like books. Oh, no, no, agree. I totally detect it. I've got an I, I, uh, I've got a Kindle Touch. But so I get to I get to tactilely turn the pages. With a book, it's something you're constantly holding. With a CD, it's not. You know, yeah. you put it in a train. You, 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 the experience mm. of that is the noise it makes. The experience of a game is through a controller. It's not yeah. through a box uh, it yeah. comes in. I find that I find that um, my my I'm I'm the lucky owner of a Steam Press account, and and I I live my my Steam Press account is like the most valuable item in my life. But it's virtual. It's just you know it doesn't even physically exist. Um, mm. I, I, Being able to take all your games with you to any machine you own yeah. for the rest of your life is yeah. an incredible. Yeah. I, thing. I don't. I hate swapping discs now. I get really angry. About it. But of yeah. course, the downloadable future depends on people having good yeah. broadband speeds yeah. and the really important part of it is it, a downloadable future on consoles is nearly so desirable as it is on PC because on a console if you own a next gen Xbox Microsoft set the prices on everything mm. they get to set the prices if you have a download, yeah, if you have, re- if you have a PC yeah, sure. you've got Steam competing with Origin yeah. Origin competing with Amazon Amazon competing with GOG yeah. GOG competing with Game.com everyone's competing because there's, there's so many different ways you can buy the, the games the prices are so much more reasonable on PC I mean they always have been mm. for some reason because there's, there's, so there's no licensing reasonable. fees you yeah. have to pay Microsoft and Sony to make games for it yeah so I, I, find it, I find it hilarious that well I don't pay for my games which is great but I mean I find it hilarious that I, I get the definitive version for about half the price yeah. and, and the Steam sales are just legendary and I'm, there's a real buzz going around the office that there's a Steam sale on now. Sadly, it'll have ended mm. by the time this podcast goes out. But 
it's really interesting. Like people going, my God, I just had to buy Hitman apps at Blender because it was two pounds. You or, wouldn't get Steam style sales no. on a, a PlayStation or on an Xbox unless they set the price, unless, unless they make they, an open platform. Yeah, mm. or unless they just pull their finger out of their asses and realise that they need to sometimes give their consumers bones you can't sell downloadable games for the same price you sell disc based games because everybody yeah. knows you, it's not sure. costing you so much to make You're not, sure. you haven't got to ship it in boxes you haven't got to put it print it onto a disc which brings me on to special editions really I mean I can't believe in an age where we, we can barely afford to pay I mean I can't sorry I can't even I can't even imagine the concept of going into a shop and paying £40 for a game anymore I mean I'm just lucky because I'm in the industry well you, if you wait two weeks you get for 20 quid well that's true yeah. but I mean these but, special but, but editions say, say, you, say you were buying 80... a game new you can get it 30 or 40 quid from Tesco Mm. Carry on. Um, but I just uh, who's who's buying these special editions? I mean, no idea. The, the, uh, in terms of nostalgia, <coughs> I do. I own about ten games. The, mm. the rest of them, if I ever get games, I just sell them to buy more games. But um, I I own copies of Amiga Classics games that really mean something to me. Something that really, and that's the only that's the only form of game ownership I have these days it's not virtual so, we need better broadband and we need yeah. we need competition to make downloading, downloading three gigs three gig, three gig game or whatever it is mm. is just it's, on a, well, it's on not a, next gen it's not going to be three gigs it's going to be 20 gigs mm. well, yeah, on, a, on, rest, a, on yeah. a crappy broadband connection it's just we're like a third world country I mean, yeah. like broadband I mean I've got fibre optic but mm. it's still and it's fast but it's still not as fast as you can get in mainland Europe I bet the base internet connection in mainland Europe is probably the same as my really high speed fibre optic Broadband connection here. And one, and we're done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Time done. Um, I like how seriously you guys all play to the buzzer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the rules, man. It's like, yeah, it really matters. You can break it a little bit. You were going to say something, though. You were going to... No, I was, I, was, I was probably just going to make a joke about that shit flag in the um, Assassin's Creed... Special edition. Oh, yeah, seen you, that? You, you it comes with an American flag yeah. and a, a tatty picture, a tatty little figurine that's exa- of Connor. That's exactly and... what you want as a Brit, having had the game systematically murder about a million Ta- British talking people. About, talking about the American flag, that title screen in Spec Ops: The Line is the best title screen I've ever, ever had the pleasure of witnessing. How it the transitions the, into the, flag the game, the grades, the music changes. The, it's the, got the, Jimi the Hendrix as well. Yeah, yeah. The little dude sometimes there, sometimes he's not. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's I can't stop talking about assassins. So. So much about that, that game is beginning to annoy me. <laughs> well, you know what? We have an Assassin's question. And I wasn't going to do it because it's quite a, a big question. But let's, uh, let's do a, it. That'd be a great uh, movie, video game. Uh, Assassins with old... Uh... Fassbender. No, I was thinking about the one Fassbender. with... I was thinking about... What's the, oh, no, maybe it's not called Assassins. The one with... Um... Oh, I'm thinking of Sever versus X versus Sever. Oh, that old. No, what's the one with what's the one with Stallone in? Is no, he one called no, there, that there the is one called Assassins with uh, Assassins, yeah, with, Assassins with Antonio, Antonio Banderas. Banderas yeah. 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 Now, that'd be a is great. Antonio Banderas and Sharon Stone. Uh, Sly Stallone, isn't it? I thought. Oh no, because I'm thinking of the Sly Stallone yeah. film. Yeah. He's a specialist. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Assassins one is when they out to shoot each other, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But that's why I got confused with X versus Sever. This is very random, though. Sorry. X versus Sever got Lucy Liu in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You guys, you guys get great value on this podcast, Robert. I, I'll tie your old says. <laughs> <laughs> Wonder what his question could be about. <laughs> he says it's a, it's a long question. Are it you? might just be his middle name. Yeah. Just coincidence. Yeah, it would be a great. Yeah. question. Changed by Depot. Yeah. Are you Xbox World yeah. getting absolutely sick of all the Assassin's Creed Three trailers featuring nothing but red coats getting slaughtered? <laughs> America revolutionists being glorified in the typical fuck yeah America, fuck you England, despite Ubisoft insisting that they're fighting, you're fighting both sides. This I don't, is, don't, I don't forget they're a Canadian developer. Hang on, hang on. Don't forget it's developed and in a, Canada. An, an annoying attempt to get the larger sales base in the good old USA, or are they setting us up for an awesome twist involving Templars and Founding Fathers? 
and saying and everything isn't so black and white. Look, Thoughts? Look, I don't need five minutes for this. Yes, it's irritating. But look, the, latest the, the assassins have been slaughtering English people for years. The whole Knights Templar it was sort of a, a, were the crusaders who came out of England, you know, and from all across Europe. So you've been... You've been essentially, in the first game, I think, I believe, you were essentially like a Muslim going around just ganking all of these crusaders, you know? But in, in the second game, you're a guy who has absolutely no affiliation with Christians, ganking the Pope. And you get to the third game, and now you're, uh, you're killing Brits. Well, maybe we're being a little bit immature by taking offence. No, I think, I think that there is a difference uh, in this third game. I, I just... I've, I've, I've been to Ubisoft and I asked them. I asked everyone I spoke to this question: Why do you hate the Brits so much? And they all said different things. Um, one of them said they all said their teeth, their food, their guys. They, can we hate just, their guys, movies. Guys, can we just spare a thought for the Nazis? I mean, all the all, well, we certainly haven't heard that before. Yeah, I'm I really like that guy Hitler. I'm he has some great ideas. Okay, maybe I phrased that badly. I'm just thinking about the, the Germans. I mean, I know they 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 absolutely every right-minded German these days distances themselves from Nazism and abhors it and stuff. But imagine you have to play every freaking game where you're getting shot. And the Afghans, they're the new, they're the new Nazis. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, true, we're, yeah. just getting, we're just getting a bit of well-overdue payback. We've been bringing it to the other countries of the world for yeah, all our lives. Med- med- the Medal of Honour is, is just dropping you in the desert and going, yeah. kill everybody. I, I, I Personally, I think it just gets away from what Assassin's Creed should be about. <coughs> I mean, I, I agree with what, what, with what the developers say. And every, because they all say, look, you're not just killing Brits. This takes, takes place over 30 years. You, you, you're Assassins versus Templars. And he's also saying that not all red coats were Brits. Some of them were Americans. It was very sort of mixed. And you're a Brit yourself. And you're half Brit yourself. Like, I I understand what they say, and I totally agree with them. And and he he even made the point where Assassin's Creed has always been about, has been made by, like, a a team from all around the world with multicultural beliefs. I believe that. I believe what they're trying to do is that. But every, every piece of promotion I've seen on that game, and I've seen all of them, is Connor... Who is a personality vacuum? I mean, does anyone he's no, he's no can, can anyone define him in That's any the, way? He, I start watching Assassin's Creed trailers. I find it all so. I call it the Andy. Ke- I call this the Andy Kelly challenge. The Andy Kelly challenge is describe a game character mm. without describing what he looks like, and it's so hard to do on almost every. It's like what Leon from uh, from Resident Evil. He's mm. well, he's got floppy hair. Oh no, I've mm. failed already. You know, it, 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 every character is like impossible to define except by their. That's looks. why they kept making more Ezio games because Ezio was a charming guy. He's, he lost his family at a young age. and left him like kind of bitter Ezio. and damaged. Oh. And you can talk. You can talk about the things that make him a character. But as far as I can tell, Connor is. A uh, one-man killing machine who goes who's basically to help. He freaking loves justice. Apparently, he loves justice. He's got, he's got an inhuman <laughs> thirst for justice. <laughs> he's a mercenary for justice. That, that, that's that's what defines him. And I I just find him. It just completely turns me off. But all like I was like I was saying, all the promotional material is just him killing redcoats again and again and again. And the last trailer, which they released yeah, on Independence was, Day, kill some rich merchants was about or was about. It basically showed still scenes of. Have all these redcoats coming in and basically murdering hardworking Americans Rape or raping their kids yeah. and stuff like that? And it's like, oh, for God's sake! Look, you know, I, I know, I know, you're going to have to kill some Brits in this game. It's fine, 
they are the bad guys. They did bad things. Mm. But that's not what Assassin's Creed is about. I don't want to be... Just everything about Assassin's Creed Well, maybe at the same time you know you're going to be taking on, like, slave owners and stuff like that. You know you're going to be doing that. Also, don't forget that people, you know, sometimes the campaigns are misjudged. I mean, we've been hearing a lot about Lionhead speaking in the press this week about how how balked that fable, the journey E3 thing was, that it devastated the company. I mean, Mm. even massive, massive companies, developers, you know, they make mistakes. I mean, I I assume if the feedback... There we go. Yeah, I assume if I assume if the feedback is bad enough, then they'll, they'll have to. And Tomb Raider come out and going, oh yeah, the rape scene. Except having played that scene, yeah. which we have, the, the Lara Croft infamous rape scene, it doesn't happen. Basically, he he grabs her in a fairly suggestive fashion. Uh, if you don't defend it, he blows your brains out. Yeah. There's, there's no there's no sexual kill, assault. Kill or be killed. She doesn't man. blow his brains out. Oh, controversial. But. Yeah, so so coming back to Assassin's Creed, I, I just think the direction they've taken the game in. If you said, "Do you want a character with no personality?" Well, yes, please. Uh, do, do you want to do you want to hunt animals for a third of the game? Mm, yes, please. <laughs> and and do, do you know? Do you want to spend? Do you want to spend hours murdering British people? Mm, well, no, thank you. So I'll kill anyone. I I, I want to be <laughs> proven wrong. <laughs> just it's just just meat for the grinder. <laughs> I'll kill anyone. <laughs> it, interesting bit of trivia. A lot of historians reckon the Brits probably could have won the War of Independence if we hadn't yeah. been fighting France at the time. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it was we the French were absolutely it. committed to fighting France at the time. Another interesting bit of trivia: if we, we, they were outvoted by one vote that, that English was the uh, was the official language of America. It was going to be Spanish, right? No, it was going to be French. French, really? I thought yeah. it was French. French. Yeah. Wow! Imagine, that, imagine a... how how much and how different everything would have yeah. been if uh, the French. Would have all been like New Orleans. Would have been like uh, would have been, been like Montreal. That's what happened in World War Two. <laughs> would have been. <laughs> Let's talk about something we promised <laughs> to talk about. A just, long time ago. just lost our last friend. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about something we promised we talk about a long time ago and never got round to because you slow you slow pokes. Arkham City. Phil McLean asks, you know. Let's talk, let's talk about Arkham City's ending. It was previously left as a to discuss when everyone's played it topic. And we've all played it now. <laughs> we all know how it ends. And if you're sitting at home and you haven't played it... I can't remember what happened. What happened? Listen Joker to me dies, man. leaving I'll, I'll, the room. Joker dies. I'll tell you what happened. Oh, because I not... haven't played or finished oh, Arkham City. On, I'm off man. to go get some water. All right, That's bye. it. I'm going to come back bye. in. I'm going to press my nose yeah, we'll up against the window and come when back it's, in. Uh, time to, uh... Okay, go. I hope you didn't hear what Mike so, said a minute ago. Yeah. My, <laughs> uh, my, my my take on it is right. See you later, Andy. Bye, my take is um, is for what it's worth is uh, I didn't have anything necessarily against them killing off the Joker. <coughs> you were railing about it the other day when I talked to no, you about no, it. No, no, listen, misquote again. <laughs> Let me just finish my fucking sentence. I, I haven't got I haven't got anything against them killing off the Joker, but I thought the whole end of the game was quite mishandled. I didn't like the whole. I liked the climb to the top of the Wonder Tower. I thought it was great. But when you got there, I thought it was a bit like, and it's me, no, it's me. And then he falls down. They're a big sledge monster as well. And then you fight Clayface at the end, which was ass. When you get into the theatre, it's like, ah, it's me, the Joker. No, actually, it's Clayface, and I'm really the Joker. It was just too many... Too many twists. There were lots of Jokers, weren't there? But there three Jokers. When he was loads of twists, at least one of those twists was a bad twist as well. Because at the end, you got older... Oh, hello, Bruce Wayne. <laughs> you got, you got uh, what's his name? Um, Hugo Strange is like talking and he's, he's giving you all this shit and he goes, my master will help me conquer the world. And you're like, okay, okay, well, who's your master? Who's the, the puppeteer behind the strings and you're behind the scenes? 
And oh yes, yeah, the guy, uh, it's Raz Al Ghul. Yeah. I actually kicked his face off. Yeah. like three hours Already ago. Already dealt with him hours yeah. ago. That storyline's done. I beat the shit out of him. He's not a threat. Yeah, like I've proven I can beat him. So he now he's back. Oh well, I've, I've proven I can beat him. So even if he comes back, it doesn't matter. I like the bit with the like getting into the court. Was it the courthouse or the cinema? I can't remember at the end. Court. Yeah, and there's snipers everywhere. The sniper bit was great, but once you got in there, I just thought the whole thing. The end. The, the clay facing was ass, and then the post. Post credits, Catwoman, Two Face thing. Oh, that was, was a, awful. A, that was absolutely an abomination. I can't remember any of this. The, I didn't the, it. the Catwoman bit at the end of the thing was: did they just keep spawning bad guys? Oh, that was awful. The whole point of those rooms is that you clear the rooms. Yeah, and you couldn't because they just keep spawning you guys. I kept, I kept like thinking oh, I was, was that going, in the museum. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's, God, I thought, it's I, was going, yeah, I, thought yeah. I was going around a twist because every time I, I put my old bat, uh, detective vision on, <coughs> there were more people. There were more of them. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sure there it's, were only about five. It's funny actually. Rocksteady know they got that wrong because in the Harley Quinn's revenge dlc uh you have to do a very similar scene with harley quinn uh she's standing there walking around with a grenade launcher and you have to take her down and her she's got surrounded by guys and they will respawn but you can clear out the whole room and then she'll call for more guys and it'll take a few like it'll take about 30 seconds before the new guys turn right, up so you can, kinda... so you can so clear out the room yeah. it's not just like you take out a guy they spawn a guy mm-hmm. you take out a guy they spawn a guy it's like you take out five guys they'll spawn in two more Which, guys isn't the whole point of this to discuss like them killing the, the joke killing joker. I mean, yeah. possibly yeah yeah, yeah but... so we just about the whole ending and we okay. should I think you know it's a brave decision but the fact that they're reportedly working on a prequel I mean we talked you and I Rob talked about it Silver Age and, yeah and you were, you were like yeah but they killed off the Joker and I was like did they kill him off? Because you've always got the old Lazarus pits. And yeah. he's um, he's dead, and he's definitely dead in Harley Quinn's Revenge. But Mark Hamill, who has, was recently done a really good podcast, went on Kevin Smith uh, the podcast network. He did a two part interview with Mark Hamill on the uh, the Fat Man on Batman podcast. Worth listening to. He um, he says yeah, at the time he said a lot of things like, "Oh yeah, I'm almost done. I'm done with the Joker." But he said, "I never said I was completely done with the Joker. I yeah. never, I never said I'm completely done with it." So I think we're going to see. If I see again. the Joker again in a in a sequel, I'm going to go nuts because the whole point of like having the bravery to do that is there. This is there, it's just like Transformers and High Moon and their you know their take on the law. That's the great thing about it. when you divert and you create a separate story arc, you can do what the frick you They've, want. Rocksteady's Batman universe is its own thing. Exactly. Right? So don't be afraid to do this. You know, to, to, to shock us like this because they, they, at the end they, of the they day, they just killed a Joker. Remember, they killed Talia Al Ghul yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that's I I, I wholeheartedly endorse them doing that because this is their this is their world i mean okay it's a license but this is their take on the license and, and they need to you know it freshens it up i think i think brave i, I agree his- i think it was brave but i think that he's so iconic and he is so so tethered to that world and he defines batman and he defines mm. he's batman's like he's the other side of the coin yeah well let's know? see yeah but let's see let's see yeah let's batman see change mate. a bit let's just see i don't because how many games are left in this franchise you know with rocksteady before they move on it and before everyone gets There's, bored a they've, couple they've, more set, they've set up hooks in uh, arkham city yeah. for a third game it yeah. comes after this for sure because yeah. with Azrael turns up and talks about stuff they'll have moved on by the time people go oh this series has lost its luster it's not going to be a quality well, you it's just, not be you like just that. do what they're doing with the batman movies they don't like it's out today yeah. It's going to end oh, yeah. the Batman trilogy. It's going to end those movie trilogy. Yeah. And then a year from now, Zack Snyder, who's currently doing the, um, the Superman movie, is going to reboot Batman because of, I mean, obviously they're going to want to do a JLA movie at some point mm. after, the, after Avengers made a billion dollars. Mm. You know, you keep it going, but you just relaunch it as a whole new thing. You relaunch the universe. For now, you can do what you want. You can do mm. what you want within your, the confines of your trilogy. Yeah. And Andy re enters the room. Prepare for re-entry. <coughs> uh, Captain the Enterprise in a space battle. Awesome. 
You'll lift anything, won't you, Harsa? <laughs> Easy one. Hayden Devonish says, uh, what's your favourite favorite video game weapon ever? Go. Cerebral Brawl from Turok 2. Uh, fired it off, lodged into someone's head, drilled into their head, spewed out their brain matter and blood. Brilliant. And the way that the enemies would go, <laughs> as they were kind of getting this thing, <laughs> zoomed into their head. Brilliant. Great. Loved it. In fact, all... All Chorok, Chorok's weapons were The first were brilliant. Chorok had good guns as well. They had that nuclear gun that you just charged up and fired up, and then the, the re- it would reverb back to you and just wipe out anything in its path. I like the Eraser-style railgun, which left a smoke trail through the air. It's glowing green smoke trail. Yeah. You go, patoong, and it's yeah. this thing. Is, by the I like his bow and arrow. Yeah. Yeah, he had like the tech bow, yeah, didn't tech he? Bow. That it was, was really, tech bow, yeah. yeah, which was, was Crisis Three ripping off now. Yeah, which was like really bow. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a really hard question. I like in an alternate universe, I have gazillions of different answers. I like that gun, like keeping it a bit more relevant. Sorry, not relevant, contemporary. Yours was utterly relevant, Tim. Was um, the controllable bullets in um, Singularity Sniper Rifle? Singular- yeah, Singularity yeah, was such a great game, such a really great shooter. Bullets Storm had controllable bullets as well. Mm. Well, Singularity did it first. You could guide a bullet up a man's ass yeah. in Bullet Storm. Yeah, not that- a man, but a, a bad person. A bad person's yeah. ass. Yeah. <laughs> shoot, him in the, shoot him in the cock. <laughs> yeah. Did everyone get bonus points for not mentioning the gravity gun in Half Life too? Gravity gun's great. The bonus points for that, yeah. yeah. Everyone's uh, the Lancer's got to get a vote. The Lancer's a brilliant gun, not just because it's got yeah. a big chainsaw on it. It actually feels really good as well. It's got that uh, old school Halo assault rifle feel. Look, the modern Halo assault rifle is the old, and it's rubbish. It just it's, it's a really it just feels really puny. Thirty two shots in a clip, and it's just like. It's rubbish. But the original Halo Assault Rifle, it felt like you were just drilling them with bullets. It's like... And the Lancer's got that thing going on where it feels really heavy and mechanical. Mm. You sling it over cover, you point at them, you hold down the trigger, and it just fills them with bullets. So much of it, isn't it, about feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, about how those... That's that's what Feedback is everything. Yeah, what makes or breaks away. That's why COD, that's why COD, especially Modern Warfare, broke out into the the stratospheric realms. I remember talking about this on podcasts back in the day. Guns don't feel better than COD's guns. Yeah. No guns do. You know, you shoot someone in the arm, they go down. Yeah. You shoot someone in the leg, they go down. You shoot someone in the head, they die. Mm. You know, there's no bullet sponges. I I play Killzone 2 straight after I play (coughs) Modern Warfare. I had to shoot the guy like three times in the head for his helmet to fall off. Oh, I, no. Like, me no, out this is wrong. You can't do this. In, a post, in the post-modern warfare world, there was no place I for I hate it. games like that. I've always been... I want to see a bullet shock. If I hit someone with a sniper rifle bullet, I want to see them freaking fly back. I, you need to see this kind of... You know, Rambo, the film, the, the, the reboot of Rambo, showed what guns do to people. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happens when you shoot. Yeah. Obviously not having been in a war zone myself, but that is what will happen yeah. if someone shoots Rambo you. did the bow right as well. Skyrim doesn't. In Skyrim, you aim a bow and it goes... Patunk. Yeah. And it goes in this big, like, sort of lux- this yeah. luxurious. You have a little, little sleep while it. Oh, right, yeah. it just snoozes yeah. its way through the air. In Rambo, he, pull, he draws yeah, yeah. that bow and he's like. In split second he, later, he's he pinned someone. all of his yeah. strength to pull the bow. So his muscles yeah, yeah. flexing, pulls it back, releases, and then you say, it's like it's basically he's firing a bullet. Yeah. Yeah. It flies into a man, goes through him, punches all the way through his body, and drives him back yeah. a few feet. And it's That's that silent kind of bang. It, mm. I think, like I said, with the bows, they give you this kind of feeling of feedback and empowerment. So, I don't know if it's like a primal thing. 
that you're just using, you know, it's your strength that's pushing that, rather than yeah. you just pressing a trigger and it just going... It's a caveman thing. Yeah, it's a caveman. It's a hunter-gatherer kind of thing. I'll tell you a couple of ones I really like. One of them is the, the nano rifle from Red Faction. Yeah. Ooh, that is great. Right? Yeah. And the magnet gun from Armageddon. Oh, I didn't play Armageddon. Armageddon wasn't a, gr- was a great ass. game, but um, oh, the magnet gun was gun. a yeah. really good gun. Mm. You, you, you fire a magnet at something, you fire a second magnet at something else, and whatever you hit first mm. is just launched towards the second thing. Well, I like, right, like the na- the di- disintegrating men in the yeah. in, in gorilla. Disintegrating everything. Yeah, everything. And, and another, another one I really really like, and it's really unusual, is the uh, the flail gun from uh, Bulletstorm. Yeah, that that hard to is, use. It's, that, I it's find. difficult to use, yeah. but when you use it properly, it's incredible. Yeah. So you know you could wrap a flail around a man's neck. Yeah. And and it's an, it's explosive, so it blows his head off. Oh. And you can do all sorts to him in is the that meantime. A gun? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Kick, kick him about. Or one of my favourite ones, uh, and it's a difficult skill shot to pull. Skill shot to pull off. If someone is stood next to a pillar, you fire it at the pillar, and the flail wraps around the wraps pillar and around. takes his head off. Yeah, 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 just incredible. Yeah, that's a great call. And you can you can wrap his legs up. You could wrap it. I think you can wrap his arms up. It's just an incredible. I'd love gun. to see more of Bulletstorm style um, gimmick weaponry in yeah, the next totally. in the next Gears of War. Totally, that, uh, people can fly. Singularity was great because I, I wanted to pick instead of always staying with. Like, there's so many games I just stick with the AK or whatever. Mm. This one had me, you know, literally dropping my guns. And I was I couldn't wait to get to grips with the next the next weapon. I just think that's the future of, of shooters. Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm. That was quite good. Yeah. See. See, it works. Five-minute warning is a good idea. I'm glad we thought it up and didn't steal it from another podcast. Um, the best ideas are stolen. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's wrap up with this one. It's uh, kind of... Uh, a little, it's it got two parts to it because it's from two different people. Rob Davis and Jess Potter ask two related questions. Rob Davis says, Will console gaming still be alive when the Xbox 720 and PS4 eventually break cover? I can't recall ever being so apathetic towards gaming. You know your hobby's in trouble when you stare at your games for five minutes deciding what to play only to read a book instead. In all seriousness, with, the, the, with all the depends, stories of developers being shut down, who will be left to make games in 2013-14? Yeah. Jess Potter asks, as a supplement to that, is there going to be a place in the future for like a dedicated gaming-only man cave in a new climate of do-everything media boxes? Basically, next gen. What's what, what are the problems? Can I, the... can I can I answer those two questions in my own little way before you go into the more generic kind of futurologist? Yeah. What's the future going to be like? I think to answer the first dude's question, he's just going through that kind of gaming apathy thing that we all do at some point. I mean, I'm 32 now. Um, I've never played as many more ga- as many games as I do at the moment. Um, I absolutely love gaming. I love I love the breadth and scale of gaming. I embrace every single aspect of gaming, and, and I, I think that's possibly why I love it, that I'm not hung up on a certain genre. Or I think if I was just playing COD or something all day, I'd be very apathetic. Mm. So I would say to that chap, stick it out, because it probably will get better. I, I've been there... I've been there even six months ago where I couldn't be bothered with games, but I think that's just a more of a state of life thing, and it will pass. Secondly, the most exciting thing in the world, and I'm happy to share it with you guys exclusively on this podcast, is that I'm building my own main machine. Um, I've, An arcade machine? Yes, I'm building my own arcade machine, and I've loved MAME for years. I mean, uh, I remember uh, back in about 2000, after I finished my first degree, I just played MAME games with my bro all summer. We just, we, we just, we just had the most fun like, revisiting old childhood classics of, 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 um, from my childhood. Um, and I want to revisit this, but I want to revisit it via an extremely expensive arcade cabinet, proper arcade sticks. Um, so, so yeah, I'm saying, man, so, so, so this is ma- this is like this is like the geekiest, the ultimate accessory in the man cave, <coughs> apart from possibly porn mags. So 
I don't, again, this is me, and I'm you know this is just me, and this is my individual thing, but. That's my contribution to that argument. I've never been more gaming than man cave. You're saying it is what you make it, essentially. Absolutely. The next gen's going to be tricky for everyone involved. Everyone knows that. And we talk about it a lot in the mag. We talk about it a lot on the podcast. It's uh, it's going to be a challenge just making games for the next gen, but, you know, middleware solutions like Unreal 4 are really, really changing the way I'll be making games in the next gen. Talking to the Jaeger guys who worked on Spec Ops, they said... You know, when they do, when they relight a level in Spec Ops, they have to spend, they have to leave it running overnight to calculate all the lighting for it. Right. With Unreal 4, they just move the light. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of difference it's going to make. So, you will be able to make games more cheaply in the next generation, in theory, or at least to the same price, get better results for the same amount of money. But it's going to be tricky, and not just because you're going to have to launch a £400 console into a marketplace mm-hmm. that can't bear a £400 console. That said, the world's ready for it. You have to you have to look at launching it next year, otherwise you're going to be seriously left behind. And PlayStation is going to. Be left I think behind. it's a generation after this where it's going to. That's it. That's, yeah, yeah. That's the, the that's, next this console is generation. This is a question we'll be having in a few more. Generation. Maybe we keep four, saying five years. this. The big thing, the big game changer, will of course be a Steam box. Mm. People are talking about this Ouya console, whatever it's called, the Aouya, whatever mm. it's called. Five million uh, raised already on Kickstarter for that. Yes, that that game's at best a new Gizmondo mm. at best. And that's an answer to someone else's question uh, from the topic. At best, that game's a new, that machine's a new Gizmondo. It's not a secure platform. He said it's going to be as secure as Android platforms already are. Brilliant. I mean, it's going to be hacked on the day it launches. What we need is a Windows box that runs everything with a controller, and you don't need to ever use a mouse to launch your games. And you can install other developers, um, every other publisher's like platforms on it. So you can put Orange on it. You can put GOG on it. As soon as someone does that, it's a game changer. If Steam get together with Dell or with anyone to release this hugely powerful PC, which every five years I'll upgrade. Every, if you say it, well, every five years we'll, we'll consider upgrading it. If they release that as a completely open platform, all of a sudden Microsoft and Sony are on a completely on the back foot. Yeah. Because they're sitting there and they're going, hey, we want to get BBC iPlayer on our service. And then they have to sit and talk to BBC about it for months and months and months, and eventually it comes along. We want to get Netflix on our service. Okay, well, you're going to have to talk about it for months. We want to get Sky, same again. On... On a PC, on an open platform, there's no licensing. There's no tricks. There's no Xbox Live Gold that you've got to pay for just to get to your Netflix account that you're already paying for. You just install it. You just put it on. You just, you just go, okay, I can install like anything else on PC. If someone wants to make a cool app to do it, great, they can do that. But if there's no app that exists, then you just launch it in a browser. Mm. Like That's the serious game changer. The minute someone does that, everything changes for what consoles are I, th- I think i think that's true in terms of accessibility and in terms of what consoles are i think maybe to sort of link the two questions up in terms of games i think design needs to change I mean, we can't keep making the same games in the next generation no because you the the apathy won't go away i mean there is a certain sense of apathy now because I, there's a sense that we've seen all the tricks that this generation has to offer i mean the the games we were playing at the start of this generation they felt new um they were being designed in different ways to like the xbox mm-hmm. and it needs to change again there needs there needs to be a, a wider wide like a big breadth of design the way the way we play games needs question to change question is who's going to who's going to begin the revolution i think that's Maybe the big Ubisoft question Ubisoft already have with watchdogs you know Maybe it's a so. very different kind of game mm. honk honk and uh, and with that honk that signals the end of the Stromcast number 15. Again, apologise, apologies for uh, it taking so long to record. Um, hopefully we won't 
be so disrupted again in the future and we'll be able to return to something resembling a regular schedule. We will say, please don't be mean to us if we have trouble because at the moment, we it, it, the regular team would just be me and Andy. Yeah. And you don't want to hear us just talking at each other. It, it's not like we don't enjoy doing I'm always podcasts. happy to help out. Yes. It's not like we don't enjoy doing Shut them. We do. Now you've locked us in. <laughs> we do. We do want to do them. It's just time completely cripples us at the moment. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for all your uh, questions. They were all fantastic. Um, there were a lot we didn't get to, by the there way. Were, there was a yeah. lot we wanted to do. There were some really interesting ones. Maybe we can touch on them next time in just a general discussion. Yeah, maybe so. Um, for now, uh, there's a magazine on the shelves at the moment. It's got Assassin's Creed on the cover. Oh, it's a good cover. Uh, it's a damn good mag. It's our post E3 issue. There's a lot of games in there. We have finished another one, which will be on sale on the 25th of July. That's so next, next Tuesday, week, yeah, next Wednesday, next Wednesday, yeah. Uh, look out for it. I won't tell you what's on the packaging. You will have to wait and see. Um, it's a cracking issue. We say that every time, but it really is. If you're interested in next gen stuff, yes. definitely an issue you want to look at. And um, and as always, we would say that while. The entire world is feeding you big, steaming piles of bullshit about the next gen. We were the ones who reported on the complete spec of the next Xbox months before any of the recent leaks happened. Mm. We, uh, I would say, I'll take the Pepsi challenge with any other journalist on Earth right now. I would say we are the most informed about the next generation of Xbox. I'd say we are, and we, we do a little bit of trumpet blowing in the uh, in the current issue, in the issue. That we and just rightly said. so, rightly, rightly so. so. Um, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at. Xbox World Mag, and uh, from all of us, until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.